Book two, chapter fifteen of Bradford's History of the Plymouth Settlement, sixteen o eight to sixteen fifty. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Bradford's History of the Plymouth Settlement, sixteen o eight to sixteen fifty, by William Bradford. Rendered into modern English by Harold Paget. Book two, chapter fifteen. This year Mr. Thomas Prince was chosen governor. Mr. Shirley's letters were very brief in answer to theirs this year. I will not copy any extracts from them, but will mention the subjects of one or two of them. First, he hopes they will not take offense at anything he wrote previously, professing his affection for them as before, etc. Secondly, as to Mr. Allerton's accounts, he is convinced the colony must suffer, and that to no small figure, that they have cause enough to complain, but it is now too late, that Allerton had failed them all and himself in his aims, and that he feared God in consequence would fail him, and it would not be strange if he fell into worse ways, etc. Thirdly, he blesses God and is thankful to him for the good return made this year. This is the effect of his letters, other things being of a more private nature. I now enter upon one of the saddest things that befell them since they came, and before I begin it will be necessary to quote that part of their patent which gave them rights at Kennebec. The said council has further given, granted, bargained, sold, in fiefed, allotted, assigned, and made over, and by these presents do clearly and absolutely give, grant, bargain, sell, alien, in fief, allot, assign, and confirm, unto the said William Bradford, his heirs, associates, and assigns, all that tract of land or part of New England in America aforesaid, which lies within or between, and extends itself from the utmost limits of Cobisiconte, which adjoins the river of Kennebec, towards the western ocean, and a place called the Falls of Nequamkek in America foresaid, and the space of fifteen English miles on each side of the said river, commonly called Kennebec River, and all the said river called Kennebec that lies within the said limits and bounds, eastward, westward, northward, and southward, last above mentioned and all lands grounds soils rivers waters fishing etc and by virtue of the authority to us derived by his said late majesty's letters patent to take apprehend seize and make prize of all such persons their ships and goods as shall attempt to inhabit or trade with the savage people of that country within the several precincts and limits of his or their several plantations etc now it happened that one hawking belonging to the settlement at piscataqua went with a bark and some commodities to trade on the kennebec and must needs transgress their limits and even go up the river above their house towards the falls and intercept the trade that should have come to them the man in charge of the place forbade him and begged him not to do them the injury of infringing their rights which had cost them so dear he replied he would go up and trade there in spite of them and remain there as long as he pleased the answer was that in that case he would be forced to remove him or to apprehend him whereupon hawking bid him to do his worst and went up and anchored there so the captain took a boat and some men and followed him and again urged him to depart but all in vain he could get nothing from him but ill words so as it was just the season for trade to come down and if he allowed him to remain there and take it from them all their previous expense would be wasted he consulted with his men who being willing he decided to sever the boat from her anchorage and let her drift down the river with the stream but commanded his men not to shoot on any account unless he commanded them he spoke to hawking again but all in vain 
then he sent a couple of men in a canoe to cut his cable which one of them did thereupon hawking took up a gun which he had put ready and as the bark drifted down past the canoe he shot the man in the head and killed him instantly one of his comrades who loved him well could not restrain himself and making aim with his musket shot hawking dead on the spot this is a true account of what happened the rest of the men took the vessel home with these sad tidings now lord say and lord brooke with some other eminent men had an interest in this settlement so the people wrote home to them in such terms as to exasperate them as much as possible leaving out all the extenuating circumstances and making it appear that hawking had been killed without provocation suppressing the fact that he had killed a man first so their lordships were much offended till they were fully informed of the details the news of this spread quickly with the worst light put upon it and reached their neighbors in massachusetts their own bark came home to new plymouth bringing a true report of it and all were deeply and naturally affected by it not long after they had occasion to send their vessel to the bay of massachusetts but the colony there was so incensed at the occurrence that they imprisoned mr alden who was aboard and had been at kennebec but had taken no part in the affair having only gone up to take supplies they freed the boat but kept mr alden for some time this was thought strange here and they sent captain standish with letters to give them full information and to procure mr alden's release i will give a letter or two which referred to these things two letters from thomas dudley at newtown to william bradford at new plymouth good sir i have received your letter through captain standish and am unfeignedly glad of god's mercy towards you in the steady recovery of your health concerning the matter you write of i thought i would send a word or two in answer to yourself leaving your governor's letter to be answered by our court to which with myself it is directed i presume until i hear further that your patent may warrant your resistance of any englishman trading at kennebec and that the blood of hawking and the man he slew will be required elsewhere at his hands but with yourself and others i grieve for their deaths i think also that your general letters will satisfy our courts and make them cease from meddling further in the matter upon that same letter i have liberated mr alden with his sureties but that i may not seem to neglect the opinion of our court i have bound captain standish to appear on june third at our next court to make affidavit for the copy of the patent and to testify to the circumstances of hawking's provocations both of which will tend to prove your innocence if any offence has been taken at what we have done let it be better considered i pray you and i hope the more you think of it the less blame you will impute to us at least you ought to be just in distinguishing between those whose opinions concur with your own and others though i can truly say i have spoken with no one on the subject even those who blame you most who had not always heretofore declared their good will towards your colony referring you further to the report you have from captain standish and mr alden i leave you for the present with god's blessing wishing you perfect recovery of your health and long continuance of it i desire to be lovingly remembered to mr prince your governor mr winslow and mr brewster whom i would see if i could the lord keep you all amen your very loving friend in our lord jesus thomas dudley newtown may twenty second sixteen thirty four sir 
i am deeply sorry for the news that captain standish and others of your colony and my beloved friends are bringing with them to new plymouth in which i suffer with you because of the difference of my opinion from that of others who are godly and wise amongst us here reverence for whose judgments causes me to suspect my own ignorance but i cannot alter it until i am convinced otherwise i did not intend to show your letter to me but to do my best to reconcile the differences as best i could but captain standish demanding an answer to it publicly in court i was forced to produce it which made the breach the wider as he will tell you i proposed to the court that they should answer the letter from mr prince your governor but the court ruled that it required no answer since it was itself an answer to a former letter of ours pray inform mr prince of this and others whom it concerns so that they may not impute neglect or ill manners to me on this score the recent letters i have received from england cause me to fear that some trials are likely to fall upon us shortly and this unhappy dispute between you and us and between you and piscataqua will hasten them if god with an extraordinary hand does not help us to reconcile this for the present will be very difficult but time cools distempers and a common danger approaching us both will necessitate our uniting again i pray you therefore sir set your wisdom and patience to work and exhort others to do the same that things may not proceed from bad to worse making our divisions like the bars of a palace but that a way of peace may be kept open where the god of peace may have entrance at his own time if you are wronged it is to your honor to bear it patiently but i go too far in needlessly putting you in mind of such things god has done great things for you and i desire his blessings may be multiplied upon you more and more i will commit no more to writing but commending myself to your prayers i rest your truly loving friend in our lord jesus thomas dudley june fourth sixteen thirty four this shows what troubles arose and how hard they were to allay for though they were heartily sorry for what had happened they considered they had been unjustly injured and provoked and that their neighbors who had no jurisdiction over them exceeded their bounds thus to imprison a member of their settlement and bring the question before their court but being assured of their christian love and convinced that it was done out of godly zeal that religion might not suffer nor sin be in any way concealed or countenanced especially the guilt of blood of which all should be very conscientious they endeavored to appease them as best they could first by giving them the truth of it all secondly by their willingness to refer the case to any indifferent judgment here and to answer it elsewhere when they should be called upon to do so and further by asking mr winthrop and other respected magistrates there for their advice and direction this mollified them and brought things to a comfortable end at last the advice given them by mr winthrop and others was that from their court at new plymouth they should write to the neighboring settlements especially to that at piscataqua and theirs in massachusetts appointing a meeting at some suitable place to deliberate on the subject full powers being delegated to those attending the meeting from the various colonies but nothing to be done which should infringe the liberties of any of them the law of god being that for conscience's sake the priests should be consulted with it was thought desirable that the ministers of every colony should be present to give their advice on points of conscience 
though this suggestion seemed dangerous to some they were so well assured of the justice of their cause and the equity of their friends that they agreed to it and appointed a time of which notice was given a month beforehand viz to massachusetts salem piscataqua and others requesting them to produce any evidence they could in the case the place of meeting was boston but when the day came there only appeared some of the magistrates and ministers of massachusetts and of new plymouth as none had come from piscataqua or other places mr winthrop and the others said they could do no more than they had done and the blame must rest with them so they opened up a fair discussion of the subject and after all evidence had been fully sifted the opinion of each of the magistrates and ministers was demanded with the result that though all wished the trouble had never occurred they could not but lay the blame and guilt on hawking's own head whereupon such grave and godly counsels and exhortations were given as they thought fitting both for the present and future which were received with love and gratitude with promises to endeavor to profit by them and so it ended and their love and concord renewed further mr winthrop and mr dudley wrote very effectually on their behalf to lord say and others interested which with their own letters and mr winslow's further declarations when in england satisfied them fully they sent mr winslow to england this year partly for this object and partly to notify the partners in england that the period of their contract for the company's trade here having expired they instructed him to close the accounts with them and to find out how much they still remained debtors to the account and what further course would be best to pursue the outcome of it all will appear in next year's narrative they sent over with him a substantial cargo which was very acceptable to them in beaver three thousand seven hundred thirty eight pounds mostly coat beaver which sold at twenty shillings per pound and two hundred thirty four otter skins at fourteen shillings per skin so altogether it arose to a large sum of money early this year they sent a boat to trade with the dutch colony where they met with a captain stone who had lived in christophers one of the west indian islands and had now been some time in virginia and had come up from there he kept company with the dutch governor and in some drunken fit got his leave to seize their boat just as they were ready to leave and had finished trading having five hundred pounds worth of goods aboard there was not the least provocation or ground for such an act but having made the governor so drunk that he could scarcely utter an intelligible word he urged him to do it and got the answer as you please so he got aboard most of their men being ashore and with some of his own men made the rest way anchor set sail and carry her away towards virginia but several of the dutch sailors ashore who had often been at new plymouth and kindly entertained there said to each other shall we allow our friends to be wronged in this way and have their goods carried away before our faces whilst our governor is drunk they vowed they would not permit it and got a vessel or two and chased him and brought him back again and delivered them their boat and goods afterwards stone came to massachusetts and they commenced an action against him for it but by the mediation of friends it was allowed to lapse later stone came with some other gentlemen to new plymouth and was friendly entertained by them with the rest but revenge boiled in his breast and some thought that on one occasion he intended to stab the governor and put his hand to his dagger for that purpose but by god's providence and the vigilance of those at hand it was prevented afterwards returning to virginia in a pinnace with a captain norton and some others for some unknown reason they must needs go up the connecticut river 
what they did i know not but the indians came aboard and knocked stone on the head as he lay in his cabin this was his end they also killed all the others but captain norton defended himself for a long time against them all in the cook-room till by accident the gunpowder which he had put ready in some open vessel before him took fire and it so burnt and blinded him that he could no longer make resistance and was killed by them though they much commended his valor i must now relate a strange occurrence there was a tribe of indians living on the upper parts of the connecticut river a long way from the colony's trading-house there who were enemies of the indians that lived in the neighborhood who stood in some fear of them for they were a warlike tribe about a thousand of them had enclosed themselves in a fort which they had strongly palisaded three or four dutchmen went up in the beginning of winter to live with them to get their trade and prevent them from bringing it down to the english or from getting friendly with them but their enterprise failed for it pleased god to afflict these indians with such a deadly sickness that out of one thousand over nine hundred fifty of them died and many of them lay rotting above ground for want of burial and the dutchmen almost starved before they could get away kept there by the ice and snow but about february with much difficulty they reached the trading-house of the new plymouth people by whom they were kindly treated for they were almost exhausted with hunger and cold after being refreshed by them for several days they got to their own place and the dutch were very grateful for this kindness this spring too the indians who lived around their trading-house fell sick of smallpox and died most miserably a more terrible disease cannot attack them they fear it worse than the plague for usually it spreads amongst them broadcast for want of bedding and linen and other comforts they fall into a lamentable condition as they lie on their hard mats the pox breaks and matters and runs their skin sticking to the mats they lie on so that when they turn a whole side will flay off at once and they will be all one gore of blood dreadful to behold and then what with cold and other hardships they die like rotten sheep the condition of these natives was indeed lamentable they were swept so generally by the disease that in the end they were unable to help one another or to make a fire or fetch a little water to drink or to bury their dead they would keep up as long as they could and when there was no other means to make a fire they would burn the wooden dishes they ate their food in and their very bows and arrows some would crawl out on all fours to get a little water and sometimes die by the way not being able to get home again but the people of the english trading-house though they were at first afraid of the infection seeing their woeful condition and hearing their pitiful cries had compassion on them and daily fetched them wood and water and made them fires and got them food whilst they live and buried them when they died very few of the indians escaped notwithstanding that they did what they could for them at great risk to themselves the chief sachem himself died and almost all his friends and relatives but by the marvellous goodness and providence of god not one of the english was so much as ill or in the least degree tainted with the disease though they did these services for them daily for many weeks the mercy they showed them in this way was greatly appreciated by all the indians who knew or heard of it and earned their gratitude and their masters at new plymouth highly commended and rewarded them for it End of Book 2, Chapter 15